Oh, wait, well, let's get into the word tonight. I'm, y'all ready? <laughs> you can't lock me up in my basement preaching on the TV screen. Listen, y'all, I ain't heard no amen, so y'all better say something tonight. I ain't heard nothing. <laughs> I ain't heard of nothing. Listen, my wife, I couldn't get my wife to say amen. Dorian Chantel was rocking with us. And it, 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 listen, it's, 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 thank you guys for the support, but I needed to hear the body of Christ. So, uh, come on now, that's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> Let's grab a Bible. We're going to go to Luke uh, chapter 14, 25 through 35. And next week, I haven't even discussed this with my wife or any leadership yet. Next week, Pastor Mark Parker will be with us. Uh, listen, yeah, he's my favorite teacher, one of them. But um, uh, listen, he, he, we got to talking. We was just talking the other day like we do about things that God has put on my spirit. And he said something. And I said, yeah, God's been dealing with me about hard sayings. And he, he about dropped the phone. He said, you ain't going to believe what I'm writing in my notebook right now. And I said, what? He said, hard sayings. And I said, well, man, that sounds like a series. <laughs> and so uh, he's going to be with us next week, him and his wife. So looking forward to that. So amen. Also, we have just real quick before we get into the word on the 27th of this month. I have finally finished up my recording. My CD is done. Amen. Matter of fact, you're looking at the band. Uh, Divine got fired, but he just got rehired tonight. Uh, but the 27th, listen, we're, we're, we're shutting down service. We're all going over to the River Church. It's going to be one big, huge concert. Everybody's going to be there. We've got a lot of different people coming through. It's, it's going to be awesome. So I want VC in the house. Amen. If I don't, if, if, listen, if we don't have anything here, we got worshipers. So I need that atmosphere in the house. So. All right, let's get into tonight, Luke chapter 14, Pastor Tim, we're going to read through 25, uh, down through 35. Everybody put this in your notes if you're taking notes tonight. Enduring hard sayings. It's grow time tonight. It's time to grow. So we're going to get into this tonight. Enduring hard sayings, difficult things. Anybody ever been in a conversation where somebody said something so truthful to you that it upsets you? Come on, somebody. You ever had a relationship to where it, it's not... Listen, these are valuable relationships. I'm not talking about mean people who always like to offend you. You know, they, they say, I'm keeping it real. No, you're being offensive. Keeping it real still has love on it. But you ever have a relationship in your life to where you know that they're going to tell you the truth no matter what you want to hear? If you do, you're very fortunate. Because growth never happens accidentally. You've got to be around relationships that aren't going to pet your demons, but are rather, they're, they're going to tell you the truth about what it is that you need to hear. And this is how we grow. We don't grow by hearing it. We grow by following it. Let me say that again. Make sure that landed. We don't grow by hearing truth. We grow by following truth. All right? Hearing is only one part of the story. The real growth happens as we follow truth. Now, this is really important because in this chapter, Luke 14, Jesus is, now you got to remember, now Jesus is the love guy. One of the reasons why the Pharisees hated him is because of how he represented the kingdom. He had a completely different paradigm, a completely different model of what the kingdom looked like. Now, we know that Jesus is the one who understood the kingdom perfectly, but during the first century, that's not what was taking place. The Pharisees had understood the law. They had understood the Levitical teachings. They understood the kingdom as it related uh, 
uh, through the perceptions or the teachings of Moses or the Mosaic law. And so they had an idea of God that they was not willing to let go of. In their eyes, God was nothing more than a moral monster that would uh, rebuke, correct, and punish out of judgment if you messed up or you broke the rules. They'd had no concept of God being a father. As a matter of fact, there's no place in the Old Testament God was ever called a father. As intimate as David was in his relationship with God, as futuristic and prophetic as David was, as an Old Testament figure, he still never understood God to be a father. Um, It's not until we get to Jesus that we hear terms like Abba. It's not until we get to Jesus to where we hear things like our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Why do you think the disciples said, teach us to pray? How should we pray? Our Father would never have came into their thinking as it relates to Yahweh. Nobody knew him as a father. They didn't know what it meant to view God as a father. Their view of God was completely rooted in the Mosaic law. And the Mosaic law in the Old Testament was nothing but a whole bunch of judgment. Why? Because the law, the 613 commandments of the the Torah, was impossible to live up to. Nobody could do it. It kills me today when people try to teach that you're still under the law. You're not under the law. Someone said to me one time, well, we're still under the Big Ten, right? You know, the Ten Commandments. No, you're not. You're not under the Ten Commandments. That's heresy to even suggest that. Paul said in Corinthians, he said, letters engraved in stone were the ministry of condemnation and death. It doesn't mean that the law was bad. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you should go kill or murder or do all the things that the law is suggesting you shouldn't do. I'm saying that you don't get your righteousness by obeying it. Our righteousness is rooted in Christ. Now, when you're following the Spirit, how many knows that you're not going to murder, you're not going to kill, you're not going to love, you're not going to do all these things. You're going to be walking in accordance to the things of God. Why? Because that's what the Spirit's job is, to bring us into that maturity. Amen, somebody? But I'm not murdering you because a book tells me not to murder you. The reason I'm not murdering you is because I love you. The reason I'm not coveting from you is because I love you. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said that it fulfills all the law, hangs on these two things, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Mind, soul, body, and then what? To love your neighbor as yourself. Love is what fulfills the law. And we're not made righteous by it. However, we're made righteous by accepting Christ as our Savior, our atonement, And through faith and grace, we are now made righteous. He became sin that we become righteous. But through the Spirit, he matures us so that we can love one another, thus fulfilling the law. Make sense? So Jesus is the peace guy. So Luke 14 is going to be a problem for a lot of us. Because he says some things that don't seem very peaceful. You know, I've learned that as we grow in Christ, we begin to see him differently in each stage and each season. When you first come to Christ, he's a forgiver. He's graceful. He's merciful. When you start growing into Christ, he becomes Lord. Some seasons he'll be rabbi. Other other seasons he'll be (laughs) mysterious. Other seasons, he'll be quiet. Season of silence. Anybody ever went through that? You should know when you go through a season of silence. I've, I've taught this, but it's worth repeating. 
Everything God created, he spoke into existence until he gets to man. The Bible says he formed us. The most valuable thing he ever created, he did without talking. If God is silent, maybe he's forming. Teacher never talks during the test. God is quiet, maybe he's forming. Doesn't mean he's not there, just means he's working. Can you say amen to that? So let's get into Luke 14. We're going to start in verse 25. Everybody say, enduring hard saying. Let's, let's read. All right, let's get into this. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Let's just look at it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are... Turn your cheek. This is the love guy. And now he's telling me to hate my mother, my father, my friends, all these people that are dear to my heart. This is the love guy. You know, a lot of times we fault the disciples, Tim, because they didn't understand Jesus. Let's be real. None of us would have understood what he's talking about. And one paragraph he's saying love everybody. The next one he's saying hate everybody. The guy seemed a little schizophrenic at times. Let's be honest. When you're reading this stuff, sometimes it's like, man, what does he mean by this? I w- we would have been right there with the rest of them saying, I don't, I'm scratching our heads like, what is this guy talking about? Right? So there's some things that, this is what I love about Jesus is that he would speak in parables or mysteries or um, metaphorical things, truths, that he would, he would almost hide truth by revelation. And he would hide it on purpose, not from us, but for us, so that we could begin to navigate through the mystery of it and the only thing that reveals the answer is trust he would hide things inside of imagery and then take you through a season and show you what the pictures mean it's okay it's gonna be a little heavy for a second but i I want i want you to really just put on your revelatory thinking for a second let's let's continue here whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Mm-mm. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, when I first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Mm. Therefore, salt is good, but if even salt has become tasteless... Let, let, Let me say this. No one can be my disciples that does not. Can I teach for a second? I, I really want you to get this true. Nobody can be my disciples who does not give up all his possessions. What Jesus is not saying is go take everything you have and just give it to somebody. What he's saying is, are you willing to give it up if he tells you to? What he's trying to teach you is that you are a steward, not an owner. This is what he's trying to get you. It's not against people having resources. He's against you trying to own the resources. 
He never wants to give you something that becomes an obstacle that stands in your way of you fulfilling the will of God. Maybe what you have is not for you at all. Maybe you are just holding it for the person that really needs it. Come on, somebody. You might be sitting next to somebody who has your answer. The reason you don't have it is because you're not mature enough to steward it yet. God will let the resources that's meant for you stay in the hands of somebody who can steward it until you're ready for it. That's good teaching. This is what he's talking about here in this passage. He's not saying that it's a bad thing to have. You know, I heard people say, well, if you're a Christian, how come you got so much money? Because you know how to save money. It's really not that hard. (laughs) Just live within your means. Don't go shopping every day. Don't buy stuff you can't afford. Don't get into a mortgage that's too heavy for you. Like, it's really not that hard. It's just count the cost. That's what Jesus is saying. One man builds a house and don't count the cost. Before you do it, count. Can you really afford this? It's amazing what happens when we go through seasons that strip us of pride. We stop trying to show off. You're amazed at how much peace you have in your life once you don't have anybody to prove anything to. Mm -mm -mm. All you owe me is your real self. That's all I'm asking of you. You want relationship? I just want the real you. You don't have to pretend for me. Amen, somebody? Put this down if you're taking notes. It's not always that we don't understand what Jesus is saying. Because we're talking about a hard saying here. It's that we're unwilling to follow what he's saying. I want you to get that. Talking about discipleship. And there's, there's a vast majority of people in the body of Christ that stay immature their entire walk with Christ. Because they're unwilling to follow what he's asking them to follow. Some people, they ask me often, Shawnee and I, we counsel a lot, and they'll say, well, I just want to know what the will of God for my life is. We'll go back to the last thing he told you to do and ask yourself, did I do it? Did you do it? He asked you to do something. Did you do what he asked you to do? It could be as simple as forgiving an individual that you're holding a grudge against. It could be as simple as a conversation he asked you to have with somebody that you didn't want to have a conversation with. There's several things that the Holy Spirit will ask you to do, and he has no problem asking you it. If you do it, then you're setting yourself up for the next step. Amen, somebody. Let's go real quick to Genesis 22. I've got a little bit of scripture I want to get into tonight, so I don't want to be too long. Genesis 22, we're going to read 1 through 14. Everybody's familiar with the story of Abraham. We're talking about hard sayings here and, and, and how to endure hard sayings. Um, there's... So much to this, I, I, I'm, this is why I have Pastor Mark coming as well, because he's going to, you know, shed light on some other angles. But it's really, really difficult, you know, to hear a hard say. You know, I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget, and this is funny, I'm preaching on Genesis 22 years ago, back in 2008. I had the opportunity to sing with Israel Holton and Newbreed, and... We did a live recording down in Houston, and or Humble, or somewhere down there. I can't remember, but I remember having a conversation with Israel um, after everything was done. Very frustrated about some things going on, and without getting to all the details, I'll never forget something that he said to me over the phone that, can I just be real? <laughs> Ooh, I was steaming. I was steaming because I knew what he said was right. But it just irritated me at the time because it was a sacrifice I was unwilling to make. 
he said, in order for things to develop for you, he said, you're anointed, you're talented, you're gifted. He said, in order for things to develop for you, you've got to sacrifice your Isaac. And that may not mean nothing to nobody else, but to me it was everything because it was echoing every word that I've gotten from spiritual counsel in my life, almost as if he was in the room. And it irritated me and it upset me. It was a hard saying for me. I'll never forget, I've, I've had other conversations to where, I'll tell you, a good one is a wife. If you want a hard saying, get married. My God in heaven, there ain't no harder saying than what a wife can give to you. She, she Listen, a wife, listen, although it's love, she's going to tell you exactly what you need to hear. You know, when everybody else is celebrating you, just wait till you get home. <laughs> Don't matter if it's my birthday or not. Don't matter if I'm still eating the birthday cake with the chocolate all on my face. She's going to let you know with no problem. And sleep good. I'd be amazed at how fast my wife falls asleep after checking me, y'all. Like the Holy Spirit don't get you at all. Like touch not my anointed, that doesn't come to your heart at all. Okay, she said she's anointed too. Um, but a hard truth is hard to swallow. Because a truth that is accepted in a hard time will change the trajectory of your life. And most of us are too invested in the other direction. Therefore, we do not want to, to hear that because it is going to cause us to have to see something that could possibly alter things in our life and cause us to go a different direction. And so much has been invested in this other direction. It's one thing to get up on, on Sunday morning to say, lean not to your own understanding. It's another thing to stop leaning to it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy to say it. It's easy to say it. We like to leave these truths in our Bible. We like having scripture in a book because we can close it. What happens when it gets in your heart? Your word have I hid in my heart. We sang it tonight. When it gets in your heart, you can't close that book. Because that thing echoes and it never quits. It keeps reminding you over and over. Lean not, lean not, lean not, lean not. You're leaning, you're leaning, you're leaning. <laughs> Go to watch TV and lean on me's on there. <laughs> yeah, like, everything reminds you, quit leaning. <laughs> Every sign. Anybody ever been in the season where you cannot get rid of the Holy Spirit? I mean, he's going to remind you with everything. Conversations, people bringing stuff up, every, stuff they would never bring up in conversation. They're bringing it up this week. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has placed treasure within you that he's not willing to throw away. Got to get his way of thinking into your world so that you can ultimately become who he's called you to be. Amen, somebody. See, real truth will offend us before it encourages us. So let's read here. Watch this. Genesis 1, 1 through 14. Let's get into this. Now let's... it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. So the two of them walked on together. Watch this. I just want to bring out this. Isaac was the promise. Abraham is old at this point. He had been promised this son for years, and then it came to pass through a miracle. I want you to think about this for a second. It came to pass through an absolute impossible situation. The woman was barren. And he ended up finally watching the plan of God unfold. He's finally got his purpose. And the first thing God says is offer it back up. Offer it back up. I've been waiting on God for this season my whole life. As soon as I get it, God says, all right, give it back. (laughs) Give it back. Are you hearing me tonight? <laughs> I want you to put this down if you're taking notes. The path to purpose starts with the decision to let go. The path to purpose starts with a decision to let go. You keep saying how much you want to walk in your purpose and how big God is and what God is doing in your life and all of these things that you're looking to come into fruition for your life. What are you willing to let go of? I'm not talking about letting go of the past and the sin and all. That's, that's one thing to let go. That's easy because that's damaging you. When you're really mature and you let go of promise, God will actually give you something and then say, give it back. It was a test. I wanted to make sure you still know you're just still a steward of it. Everything I give you is still mine. It's not yours. You have to quit looking at it like it's yours. It's not yours. Your money ain't yours. It's coming from a job that God gave you favor to get. The only reason you got it is you think it's because you're smart. God gave you the brains to think the way you're thinking. Everything you got in your life has come through his blessings. You're a steward of it. And the sooner you get that, the quicker you'll be willing to let go of something that's not yours, which will position you to get something again that ain't yours. It's never yours. It's never about you. This is the problem that we have. We're talking about hard sayings here tonight. This is hard saying stuff because it's difficult for us. It's difficult for us to trust God for something for years and then he finally gives it to us. And then you're asking me to sacrifice it? That's a hard saying. That's not easy to endure that. You know, at the end of the day, discipleship starts at the level we're willing to sacrifice. 
God was looking. We, we know the story. He put Isaac up, didn't he? And then what happened? There was a ram in the bush. It's funny that the ram, all the ram is is a male lamb, which was symbolic of Jesus anyway. Then it's caught in a thorn bush, which is why Jesus had thorns on his head at the cross. God had already made the sacrifice. He just wanted to see if he was willing to give it back. He wasn't even taking it from him. He just wanted to see if you're willing to give it back. God don't ever want you idolizing what he gives you. He don't want, he, he don't want you to trust in what he gives you. God will give you a resource and we'll start idolizing the resource. Come on, somebody. We're good for that. We'll start idolizing the thing God gave us, thinking that this is where our help comes from. <laughs> Hey, come on, he's the God that giveth and the God that taketh away. Come on, Job, you just walk in life's good and everything's great, and then God puts you in a season to where he strips you. See where your faith is at now. Are you serving him because you love him, or are you serving him because you just need him? What are you willing to sacrifice? That's what's not getting us to the next level. We're not willing to pay no sacrifice to get there. I can tell you what your future looks like. Show me your sacrifice. Let's get prophetic. Let's have a prophetic word here for everybody. I'm going to show you what your future looks like. You want to see what tomorrow looks like? Show me the sacrifice you're making today. You ain't making no sacrifices today. Your tomorrow looks the exact same. It looks the exact same. It's the same day just because the sun got down and went back up again. Doesn't mean nothing. Come on, somebody. No sacrifice, no change. No sacrifice, no change. Not willing to let go of stuff and nothing new is coming. Everything God gives you requires space within you to, 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 to acquire that, to, 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 to hold it. You don't let go of something, no space is available for it, nothing new to come in. Come on, somebody. What are you willing to sacrifice? God loves to keep us in seasons of daily bread. I told you before, God don't give us groceries. He don't take you to the store and give you a week's worth of groceries so that you can't, you don't need to trust them for seven days. No, no, no. You want to eat? I'll give you this meal, but you're still dependent on me for the next one. I'll get you through the moment. I'll get you through the moment, but you still need me for the next one. God gives you daily bread. Come on, somebody. And we don't like that. We don't like that about God a lot of times in our flesh. We don't want to trust him for every step. But every step of a righteous man is ordered by God. Every step of a righteous man is ordered by God. Amen. God was looking for Abraham's commitment to match his own. He was willing to sacrifice. You want to be father of many nations, you want the word, you just don't want the process. That's all right tonight. Come on, just lift up here and say, Father, help me to let go. Come on, say it again. Say, Father, teach me to let go. Some of y'all right now, I'm telling you, you need a prophetic word of let go in your life. You need to let go of something that God has asked you to let go of so that you could be postured for the next thing that God has for you. It might be a person. Some people are a part of your history, not your destiny. Some people are only meant to function in your history from here on out. Not your destiny. Come on, somebody. 
They're not a part of where you're going. They're a part of where you're from. Better teach, Pastor Gail. I'm trying to, sir. Let's go to Mark 10 real quick. This okay tonight? Mark 10, we're going to start in uh, verse 17. Let's read down uh, to 25. Let's read. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Yeah, do y'all catch how Jesus just subtly checked him? Y'all, you they just, I mean, it was a nice little friendly check. You ever been in a relationship to where somebody checked you and you didn't realize it till you was out of their presence? Said, Wait a minute, did he just, he did check me. He said, good teacher. Why you call me good? Why? Because Jesus was about to expose this dude. He said, I don't think, in other words, I'm not sure if you're going to feel that I'm a good teacher after our conversation. Because I'm going to expose something in your heart that you're not willing to let go of. We'll see if my teaching is still valuable to you. Let's get, let's get into this. Watch this. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, Watch this. said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Watch this. Now, this is the, there's so much revelation in this. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. First lesson in discipleship is often God exposing the areas we are unwilling to make sacrifices. The church has been really, really good at building congregations, not so good at building disciples. Think about this. The first area that Jesus exposes in the life of those who want to be discipled is the areas we are unwilling to make sacrifices. You will never, ever get where you need to be without sacrifice. The entire scriptures are all rooted around a central sacrifice. Sacrifice is the only thing that determines love. How do you know she's the one, fellas? What are you willing to sacrifice for? It's not how fine she is. It's not how wealthy she is. It's not how, how obedient or submitful she is. What are you willing to sacrifice for? 
If you're not willing to sacrifice for that woman, you're not really in love with her. Ladies, same thing to you. That's the first thing that he exposes in her heart. The entire kingdom of God began with a sacrifice. Put this down if you're taking notes. Our unwillingness to sacrifice exposes both our lack of trust and also our lack of love. The unwillingness to sacrifice exposes both our lack of trust in God and also our lack of love. You know, it's, it's, when God asked you to do something, you know, I'll never forget, um, well, I, this actually happens quite a bit um, in my marriage. My wife is a, she's a giver. We're both givers. Anybody that knows us knows that. But one thing I love about her is she gives. We, every year we go up uh, at this conference in Traverse City and they bring us back. Pastor Cindy, uh, Tim and Cindy Markham, beautiful people. You guys met them a couple years ago when they came here. Great people. Love God. Um, but just had a series of events happen within like a, a, what, two years. Daughter died. They started preaching grace. A lot of their legalistic church members just left. Um, that's hard for them because the finances got really tough. They couldn't get the money to finish the building. And these are some of the most genuine, sincere leaders in the world. As a matter of fact, there's churches all over this city that people flock to. And I know the leaders. And they're some of the most disingenuine people. Um, and it breaks my heart to see genuine leaders that actually genuinely love have to go through this type of situation um, because they're the real deal. And unfortunately, people flock to gifts and charisma more than they do maturity. And it's just sad. The church has to grow up. Um, we're attracted to the wrong things. But I'll never forget, I was up there preaching. This was a serious period of time to where, I ain't going to lie to you, man, I needed the money myself. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you're in ministry, you got to trust God. you got to trust God for, for, you know, different seasons and different things. I, we went up there. I preached. It's about a four and a half hour drive. And it, what is it? Something like it's a long drive. And uh, we get up there and we preach. And we did the Sunday service and then the Sunday night service. And these people love prophetic ministry. We was prophesying and laying hands. And I was wore out. And uh, I'll never forget, we get to the dinner table that night, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my wife and said, God said, give the check back. I said, I ain't hear God say nothing. Uh, no, she told me, she, and so I was like, man. And then I heard God say, also put more money with it. I'm like, goodness in heaven. We got to get out of this town <laughs> it's like man <laughs> grief <laughs> I'm not always a cheerful giver when I need it God will take a miserable giver too though <laughs> the cheerful part <laughs> helps you get blessed <laughs> but he'll still take miserable money Don't act like you ain't 
at some point in your life say, here, God, take it. Come on now. Long story short, uh, we blessed them. And it was tough at that season. It wasn't like I thought it did, but I remember getting back. And I remember being blessed financially. Uh, we had a, a humongous bill that, that we needed to pay over five grand. And I'll never forget, uh, it was about a month after that, maybe two, two months or whatever, uh, a pastor that I have not talked to in years called me from Flint, Michigan. And came, he said, I just want to take you out to lunch. Got there, and he handed me a $5,000 check. It's really not crazy, though. It's really just God. He's asking you to make a sacrifice. (laughs) You have to trust him. You have to trust him. This is one story out of a million stories I could tell you. And it's not all finances. Sometimes the sacrifice is something different. And the harvest is something different. You have to hear the Holy Spirit on this stuff. But our unwillingness to make those sacrifices determines the future that we're going to live in. Are you hearing me? If we don't sacrifice for what we want, then what we want becomes the sacrifice. I'm going to let that sit. If we do not sacrifice for what we want, then what we want, what we're sacrificing what we want in other words if, if you don't posture yourself the way you need to be postured to trust God and to do what God is asking you to do to, to, to follow the hard saying to trust him when you can't see beyond that moment then what happens is you're sacrificing the very thing that you want it's not going to come to you because you're not posturing yourself for that thing for anything to change as it relates to your future and so what's going to happen is you're always going to need Jesus as a comforter because you don't, re, you refuse to accept him as a counselor. It's okay to know Jesus the comforter, but man, some of the best cure that he can give you for your comfort, for, 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 your, for your anxiety, is counsel. And if you obey the counsel, you won't be in a position to where you're feeling the way that you're feeling because you made some decisions that result in change. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Sacrifice. It's a hard saying. Jesus was giving the man a hard saying. He said, man, go sell everything you got. It's not that he's asking everybody to do that. But he's asking this individual to do that. Why? Because he knew it was the one thing he wouldn't let go of. You're asking me, you're calling me a good teacher. You're saying that, you, that, that, that you've done all these things. But one thing you miss, go sell and give everything to the poor. And he was unwilling to do it. In other words, Jesus, I want your teachings. There's just limits to what I will obey. Why? Because I put my trust in my resources. Our our commitments are never measured by our declarations. They're always measured by our disciplines. When you and I are willing to make the sacrifice and let go of the things that God is saying let go of, from that moment, you are putting a different, you are changing the trajectory of your future for your life. At that moment, things change. No sacrifice, no change. 
This is a hard saying tonight. Why? Because it creates vulnerability within us. And we don't like to be vulnerable. We like to be in control. That's that Adam nature talking to us. Knowledge of good and evil, the tree stuff, it's still talking to us. That's not how this works in the kingdom. Sacrifice, you change your future. No sacrifice, everything you're doing is going to remain the same. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet with me. You receive this word tonight? I want you to hear the Holy Spirit tonight. Just close your eyes if you can and take a moment and position your heart to hear from the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it is that God is asking you to do, but I know that typically the first, the first thing that happens as we commit to being discipled, the first thing that happens is God asks of us to sacrifice in an area that is very difficult for us to sacrifice in. What gets me is most of us have been living in the same reality for years upon years, nothing changing, but we're still unwilling to do something we've never done, to get something we've never had. What are you willing to let go of tonight? What are you willing to sacrifice tonight? What are you willing to trust God with tonight? Father, I pray for those that are here that have set up under the word tonight. Speak to them, Father, as we have come before you tonight and postured our hearts. Speak to them, Father, as we have heard from your wisdom tonight. Give us the strength and the courage of Abraham that's willing to sacrifice even the promise if necessary. Why? Because you have asked us.